How's it going, fam? Welcome back to Real Talk with Caleb. As you know, we're going through a five-part series talking about diversity and inclusion in the Air Force. What say the airmen? And today, you get to hear from the airmen. You get to hear stories from four warriors who have the courage to come forward and tell us about their experiences of discrimination in the Air Force. It's going to be a little bit of a difficult show for some people. I encourage you to lean in and listen. Try to see it from their perspective. Put their boots on and walk a minute, if you will, in their life. Discrimination is real and we have come a long way in the Air Force, but we have much work left to do. I hope that this show really touches you. Helps you to look around your organization to see where discrimination may be. And then to get after stopping it. At the end of the show, you'll be provided an opportunity to provide your feedback, questions, or words of encouragement to our warriors. And there will also be a follow-up show where the warriors will come back on the show and talk about how they overcame that discrimination. Again, I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you learned something from the show. And as always, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your support. And let's go ahead and get this thing kicking. Welcome back to Real Talk with Caleb. So glad you guys could join in today. Uh, like I normally say, grab you a cup of coffee, uh, lean in, and get ready to learn and, and listen. We have uh, four very special guests with us today. I'll pass it around. They'll introduce themselves, uh, but it's not going to be an introduction and then a story. Uh, these heroes are going to do an introduction and, and share their story, and then and then we'll go around the room, so to speak. So uh, again, as you guys know, as you're listening to this series, this is part of diversity and inclusion in the Air Force, hashtag what say the airmen. Uh, so again, four very special guests with us, and we're going to go ahead and get it started. What do y'all say? Let's kick the door open. Uh, Kim, thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll start with you, ma'am. Take us away. Thanks. Thank you for having me. My name is Kimberly Pollard. I'm a Chief Master Sergeant in the United States Air Force. Do you want me to go ahead and just start sharing stories as well? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Okay. So yes, ma'am. All right, so I, I thought about this just to make sure that I, I, I told the story and, and, you know, could be as concise as possible. So, you know, racism, prejudice, discrimination, antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. And so my story comes from dealing with a, we would say a non-uniform member, a contractor, civilian, a retired military. I'm enlisted and it was someone who was um, who was an officer, that's as much as I will say, oh, in the past. But at the time when they said what they said, uh, they were a contractor or a civilian. I worked in the Pentagon for five years. And when I first came to the Pentagon, I was the first enlisted person in the office that I worked in. The office had always been all officers. And I was, also the only female, I was the only African-American, I was the only enlisted, so all of those things, I was the only one. I was, um, yes, I was new to the Pentagon, and one of the first things that was said to me by the person who went on to say things later on is enlisted do not belong here, enlisted do not belong in the Pentagon. That was the first thing the person said to me. Wow. Later on, um, actually, probably a year or two later, when I thought about it holistically, the person had been doing little small things, but I never, I think I just kind of said, that's that person's personality, until um, this person decided to tell a story in the office. The person told, this person was always telling stories, that's what older people do, but um, this person decided to tell a story in the office. And in the office, it was me. It was an actual officer in the office. Um, this person, contractor civilian, I want to say there may have been another contractor civilian. And he wanted to tell a story of his time in, um, in one of the officer trainings that they go to as they go to command levels. And the story he was telling, he said um, he wanted to tell me or show me how he felt as if uh, African-American officers or received special treatment. So he wanted to tell this story. And so what he told me was all the officers were offered different uh, countries that they could 
go-to. And in the story he said, and I will just go ahead and use his words, he said, all the Negro officers were offered Africa, but I was not able to get Africa because I was not a Negro officer. And so uh, it caught me off guard. And uh, it also caught me off guard, the officer that was in the office, because he laughed. And I will never forget that. I'll never forget that he mm -hmm. laughed and that I was the only one in the office to say something. This person, the, the civilian contractor type, he had a coffee pot next to his desk. And so I walked over to his coffee pot. I filled up my cup with coffee and I said very quietly just so it would only be me and him and I said sir we do not say the n-word anymore and he said what would you like me to call you hmm. and that was that I think it was like okay I just woke up to a few things that had happened but I woke up to say all right we have to have this discussion and he didn't say it in an understanding way. It was, I cannot even explain to you the way he said it, but I can still feel the way he said it. And like I said, the other officer was in the office and he laughed. And so when I told him he could call, especially me, you can call me by my name, you can call me by my rank, you can all these other things you could possibly do. And then I went back to my, my desk. I was still pretty shook up about that um, because in light of the past and the other little things he had said um, to include, why are you in this meeting? All those kinds of things he had been saying throughout the years. And I, I had been at the Pentagon for five years. I want to say this may have been year two or three by then. And, um, and so I finally had to actually go to my supervisor, who was also a contractor civilian type, and tell him that what was said, do, I don't know what happened. I know that uh, sometime later he did put in for retirement, but I, you know, the, the worst thing I tell you is the way it felt. And I can also tell you that I felt like I didn't, I didn't have the power to speak up for myself other than that point to say, hey, this person said this. Um, because then it became, well, they weren't, well, they weren't talking about you or they weren't, but I'm like, well, no, if you're going to use the N word, period, dot, that's, we, we, we don't do that anymore. That's not, that's not language that we use in a professional capacity in the office. And then to, then to say, um, what would you like to be called? And I was like, okay, that's a, that's actually a different discussion. Absolutely. So, um, and I would say that he had always been antagonistic toward me, but I ignored it because I said, oh, he's old and senile or whatever. But he had always been that way. But then there were other things. Um, you know, I'd go TDY, I'd come back, they would change where my desk was located, little things like that. Or I found out they did things together, which was fine because I said, oh, well, they're officers or used to be officers. Um, so it's fine that they're doing stuff together, but I was also finding out there's information that I needed to do my job that they were not sharing with me. And so when he said this, it just felt like a whole lot of things made sense. And I'm pretty sure that he's the same person he was when he said it. <laughs> and um, and then like, and I'm just going to end it there. The other the other officer in the in the office, he ended up becoming a commander. And that's all I'm going to say for that. And I never forgot that he laughed. Yeah. And because I felt after that, well, then that he's going to always feel that way. And I didn't say anything about him laughing. But if because something else came up years later with discrimination in, in a squadron he was in. And I had to tell that person, I believe you because I had been in a situation You'd where he first laughed hand, firsthand and I never, absolutely. I never forgot that. So that's, that's my story. Kim, uh, thank you so much uh, for sharing your story uh, real quick. And I apologize uh, to the audience. Uh, so we're on a zoom call recording. Uh, we're not all able to be in the same room. So the sound might come in and out on you, but Kim, I want to say, and for everyone on the, on the show with me right now, but I want to say thank you for having the courage to tell your story. And, you know, there's, there's a couple of things you pointed out in there, uh, whether they're intentional or, or not uh, that, that show a fallacy uh, within our ranks. And that's why, you know, uh, I'll give Brittany props. You know, she's the one that, you know, spearheaded this and said, hey, Chief, we need to talk about this. And and so, you know, I had somebody reach out to me and I'm going to be just, this, this is going to be real blunt, you know, real blunt with everyone. Someone reached out to me when I posted that on Air Force Quarantine University. I posted out there and said, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to talk about this. 
And uh, I had people reach out to me and say, hey, don't go in that minefield. Don't do that. Uh, so that told me right there, first off, I want to be in that minefield. Uh, but secondly, that there's a, there, there's a problem because you consider that to be a minefield. Um, I was blown away. But you pointed out something in your story that gets after that. I think someone might look at you, Kimberly, and say, hey, you know what? You're a chief mass sergeant now. You did just fine. But they don't know the scars that you've been through. So that story you just told, I could I could see it in the faces on this Zoom call of other people. Uh, it was affecting them because they, they know what that feels like. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to shed light on. So again, thank you for telling your story. Uh, and, and after, you know, as we circle through everyone's story, I'm going to go back and, and bring up some questions that I, I have that I think maybe will help the audience understand. We define success so differently amongst all of us. Uh, and, and you as a chief mass sergeant and me as a chief mass sergeant, we have completely different paths. Right. I think probably there are some things inside of us that are very, very similar, uh, but there's so many different challenges and struggles that you've gone through that I never had to go through. And I think it's important that we recognize that. So, again, thanks for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for this opportunity to share it. Absolutely. Brittany, please introduce yourself. And uh, if you don't mind, uh, tell us what you would like to share with the audience. Um, my name is Brittany. Um, I am enlisted in the Air Force. I've been in 15 and a half years. Um, I'm almost done. So, <laughs> um, so my story is going to be a little, well, I'm sure everybody's story is personal, but my story is going to be a lot about just like my background and my, how I was raised. And then that, you know, entering into the Air Force. So my family is from <clears throat> Southern Louisiana. Um, we are uh, of Creole descent, if you will. Um, so with that, my great grandmother looks, look, she passed away a long time ago, but she looked, she looks like a white female. My great grandmother does. And, um, so my father who was very dark skin was never really allowed to come around because he was too dark for my family. Um, even my aunt to this day, she is very um, anti-dark skin black people. And this is 2020 and she still thinks that way. Um, so I grew up with a mom who always taught me that you don't bring a white person home you don't date outside your race. Um, it doesn't work. There's too many differences. Um, so I, I was raised in an environment where I went to a predominantly white high school. And so with going to that predominantly white high school, there were a lot of differences in my home life and then the home life of my a lot of my friends. And um, I had a lot of body image issues because I mean, we all just had very different body types. And when I would go home and talk to my mom about how I felt, her response to me would always be like, that's that white people stuff. You're not white. You can't, like, that's not applicable to you. So even in school, um, the black girls at school did not like me, were not nice to me. Um, I have... Off the top of my head, I have two black friends from high school that I still keep in touch with, but the rest of them, you know, because I wore things like Abercrombie and Fitch and I did cheerleading and I was on like the dance line, I did all of the quote unquote anti-black things mm. at a white school. I was very much rejected by my own people. And so um, fast forward to, you know, joining the military, um, the one, the one of the first guys I ever dated was white and he was white. He was from Tennessee, super country, super country white guy. <laughs> um, and I broke up with him because I was too afraid to bring him home to my mom because my mom was just like very much against the idea of me dating anybody outside my race. And um, my husband is actually white. So I'm in an interracial marriage. I have two biracial uh, daughters. I have a biracial stepson um, and I have a son who is not biracial. And when I first introduced my mom to my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, she wouldn't even shake his hand. She was very like, you know, standoffish. She didn't really want anything to do with him. And she even asked him if he was, if he knew what he was getting himself into by marrying me. 
And maybe that's because I'm kind of like a spoiled brat. Maybe she was coming from that perspective or maybe she was coming from the perspective of, you know, something, you know, I, I don't know like exactly what she meant by that when she asked him that question. And so, you know, being in um, an interracial marriage, you know, I get all the time, you know, from a lot of black people, like, why are you married to that white guy? You know, there was somebody on that I've known for a few years who messaged me on Facebook a few weeks ago and said, you're too pretty to be married to that white boy. And to me, I'm like, um, I just didn't understand for one, like, who do you think you are that you can say something like that? And what difference does it make the color of my husband's skin or, you know what I mean? So, um, I, we, we definitely battle that a lot, you know, being in the military and then being mixed race, even to the point where, um, people will see us walking together in uniform with the same name tape and they'll be like, oh, are you guys together? Like they, they asked, like, they couldn't, they can't believe that, even though our names are the same, you know, yeah. so um, I guess I just wanted to share, you know, just kind of like how discrimination has impacted me um, since I was, like, this was just, I was raised in a sense, if you really True. think about it, I was raised to be prejudiced. That was what was instilled in me, but I've, chosen to not be that way because I choose to treat people with respect regardless of what they look like, who they love, what they believe. And I think when you take that approach, um, you can handle people better. You can be a better leader. You can be a better follower. You can be better, you know, more understanding, um, especially in the military, because we need that. And the most important thing that I wanted to share with everybody is it's a choice. Like you can choose to hate, and you can choose to not hate. So your background and where you're from um, is not an excuse or justification for you to be racist or for you to be prejudiced or for you to treat people however you want to treat them. Like you can't default to that because we're all adults and we all know better. And you know, the saying is when you know better, you do better. So well, that's all I had. <laughs> no, that, that's a lot. So uh, as I did with uh, Kimberly, I'm, I'm going to break some of this down. Um, and, and so because you hit on so many, I, I think when you, it's, you've experienced it and you're telling your story uh, to someone, in, and I know you a little bit, Brittany, but to someone that some of the things I'm hearing for the first time, there's like light bulbs going off of all these other, you know, um, subcultures that we have in the military even right um so so when you're sitting there and you're and i know you've told me before and uh, we're not going to go into too many of the details for sure but um in previous assignments you've been on at previous assignments and you talked about it a little bit when people pass you and your husband same name tape on or the same last name it'd be kind of funny if y'all were in the same name tape but you know what i mean the same last name right and uh and people pass you and they do a double take like they can't believe it however if we could pause there for just a second uh, and, and you're probably not that hard for you to swap positions because of what you were, how you were raised, putting yourself in their boots, the ones looking at you kind of, you know, sideways. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about your family, but the, as you described it, potentially people in your family, you know, you, Brittany, could have been that way. It says a lot about your character uh, and how, how mature you are and how you're able to overcome that, even at an earlier age, so to speak. Um, maybe some of it started out as rebellion. I don't know. Uh, and you're going to do your own thing, uh, which is good. I'm glad you did your own thing. Uh, super proud of you. Uh, and like I said, I've known you for a little bit, super proud of where you've been in your career. But just like I pointed out with Kimberly, people will look at you and your bubbly uh, attitude. And I say that in a positive way. You're always smiling. You're looking for the positive in things. I know a lot of that has to do with your faith, but they don't know the scars that, that Brittany totes around. Uh, so that's, you know, and, and the, one of the things that you pointed out, uh, even using yourself as an example, we, we don't determine where we recruit people from. Our, you know, we can't look into their families and be like, hey, you know what? We're not going to recruit Brittany uh, because of the type of family she came from, right? We, you know, we open our doors, airmen come in, our civilians come in, and we turn them into airmen, right? Uh, and you might have seen, uh, I was talking to Chief Bass, Joanne Bass. She's the second Air Force Command Chief. So she has that, that realm of training for us as airmen. 
Uh, and absolutely right. Basic military training didn't change you, Brittany. It, it helped start to shape you maybe in some ways and expose you to some different things. Your technical training didn't change you. I think a lot of what changed you is your character and your drive, but not every airman coming from a similar situation that you came from has that, right? Uh, so it's our job as, as leaders uh, to see that, to recognize that, to educate, lead, motivate, guide, and inspire, right? Uh, and so you do a great job of that, but you have the history that goes with it. So you're, you're, it's able to, you're able to understand it a little bit better and what it feels like. And thanks again for telling your story because it helps other people that, like me, I, and I think uh, a few of y'all know that I've never been discriminated against, at least in my knowledge, I never have been. People might make fun of me and call me goofy and like I have a hard time walking straight and talk, you know, real country or whatever. You know, that's I just say that as, you know, somebody might be making fun of me. I can't control the way I walk. I'm just I'm like Sasquatch, right? I'm really tall. Um, but but nobody's ever discriminated against me. So I can't sit there and, and I would never, ever pretend to put that boot on. I can put the boot on to help stop it. And when I see it, I will stop it. Um, but so you, uh, all of you that are on today that are sharing a little bit of your scar, right? Uh, the scars that you towed around. I'm hoping that it shines a light on, uh, you know, people that are out there in the field that are like me, come from a background like me that never have seen it, uh, that says, wait, there's somebody, I'm hearing the voice. They won't see your face, but they're hearing the voice of, that's somebody that felt, you know, I just thought, I might think that was just a simple comment or a simple tilt of the head look when I went past somebody, but now I'm hearing how that made that person feel. Uh, so again, thank you so much, uh, Brittany, for sharing your story. Um, and one last thing, I don't run my mouth a lot. One last thing, you brought it up. Uh, and another individual I was talking to on base that, that has a, what you might consider as a higher ranking individual said this to me the other day and said, because uh, I was talking about the podcast that we were putting on and, and asked this individual to, uh, to consider joining, joining us. And he chose not to at the time, but he had said, you know, there's one thing to be said about a minority. Uh, there's lots of things to be said, but he said, you know, we feel like we're toting the weight of, in this case, as he described it, is, is my entire ethnicity, right? Um, and I'll leave his ethnicity out. We're a small base here, right, Brittany? So people might be able to narrow it down. Um, but, but what he had brought up was, a, I thought, a very good point. So again, it's just showing the amount of courage you have to bring, uh, bring your stories out. But even when you're like Kim, you know, she shared her story about the daily grind of the work that we do. Well, what do I say? How do I say it? How do I carry myself? Like you said, Brittany, there's, there's people of the same ethnicity as you essentially, you know, throwing hate or throwing shade your way of saying, hey, why, what are you doing, what you're doing? Uh, and that can be really weighing on our young people, young people coming into the military, because I know discrimination happens across the world, unfortunately, but we're talking about it as it pertains to airmen and the Air Force, um, you know, and our civilians. So our civilians, I, I see those, you've heard me a lot of times, Brittany, say it, it's uh, uniformed and, and, and civilian clothed airmen, but it affects them in a, in a in a very a hard way for them to overcome, I think, when they're younger, right? When they first come into the military and you're like, am I expected to say something? What would, what would my family, what would those that look like me, talk like me, act like me, what do they think? How are they judging me based on what I'm doing and what I'm saying? So again, um, huge congratulations to you for sharing your story and just thanks for the courage. Um, I really appreciate you sharing. Um, Cecilia, we'll go over to you and just introduce yourself and then uh, share what you want the audience. Okay, can you hear me okay? Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Okay, so my name is Cecilia. Um, I am Hispanic. My parents are from Mexico, and um, I'm a Latina. You know, I have really curly hair and really short, I guess. <laughs> and so um, I am an engineer, and I got hired on about two years ago, almost two years ago. So I'm pretty new. Um, so this is like my first big girl job outside of college. So that culture in itself was a shock. And then dealing with the military side was a completely new world for me when I first started. Um, I have a couple of like little stories that I can just like little, I mean, no one ever said like a word to me, you know, like a bad word or something, but it's just like those little comments that they kind of like add on, you know, and it's like, is my degree not enough? Like, I don't know what an engineer is yeah. supposed to look like, but I'm like, this is it. So I'm like, you know, so. You go, you, you um, go. <laughs> yeah. So first one was when I went to go get my fingerprints done. So I got hired on and they're like, go to this office, go get your fingerprints done. And so I'm like, okay, I'm so cool. I'm getting on base. I'm getting like a little, you know, a slip to come into base and they're taking the scanner. I felt so awesome, you know? And, um, and so I go in there, and this tall, Caucasian, blonde man in front of me 
And the lady at the desk, you know, for processing the prints and stuff, she's like, oh, where are you working? Are you working on production? Are you working on the airline? You know, asking him all kinds of questions. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And so I give her my paper and she's like, are you working at the child development center? Or which child development center are you working at? And I'm like, first of all, I don't think you want me to watch your kids. But, <laughs> you know, I'm just like... <laughs> where did that come from? You know, I'm like, no, I'm an engineer, you know, I'm in this program and I need it, you know, whatever. And so I'm like, wow, like my spirits just like went down just from there. Can you imagine like this girl fresh out of college and that's the first experience she gets on base. Like that speaks volumes. That's so sad. And so I'm like, no, you know, whatever. So that was my um, first encounter. And then um, I went PDY for a couple months for a training at, to another base. And, you know, I met this really nice, you know, it was just me and my son. Um, I was able to, you know, take him with me and stuff. And I made friends with this girl at the BX. And, you know, we were talking a lot. And, you know, it was really nice and stuff. And then, you know, like, oh, the training is for this profession and da 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 And she's like, oh, okay, so how long has your husband been enlisted? Like, what does your husband do? So she thought that my husband, which I'm not married, was enlisted and he was the one going through the engineering training, not me, you know? And I'm like, is it, I don't know why, why she would think that, you know? <laughs> and so I was just like, oh no, I'm the engineer. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, you know? Right. Um, and it's just, uh, just like not explicitly saying like, she couldn't be an engineer, right? She, what, what is she doing here? Um, just those kinds of things. It's not explicitly saying, oh, you know, Hispanics have whatever, you know, it's just like, oh, it couldn't be her. It's probably her husband, you know? Um, and so that was another one at a different base. And then, um, the last one, one of the last ones, um, we had an event as the office and my office is, some engineers and some other professions it's not all engineers and so we had an event dinner I guess you could say and they invited people who had already retired and so these retirees came in and so we're the new kids on the block like I mean we're the youngest ones by like 15 years and so um you know we were talking to him and so I was talking I was like oh I do this and that da, da. and he's like yeah yeah um you know it's really it's really great that they you know uh, try to keep Latinos in the workplace and they have to meet their ratios and stuff. And I'm like, meet their ratios. What are you talking about? Like, he's like, you know, you have to get so many of each minority. So you're not, you know, discriminating against. And I'm like, so basically invalidating my degree that I worked really hard for invalidating all my knowledge that I bring all my expertise, you know, because this is my first big girl job. But in my undergrad, I mean, I worked in the Dominican Republic, I worked in Africa, I worked in different states around the U.S. And so you're discriminating, you're invalidating all of my expertise that I bring to the table. And you're basically saying, I just got this job because I'm Hispanic. And they have some quota to fill. Like, okay, I got three Mexicans and two whites and I'm good. Like, what are we saying here? You know, so um, that was kind of a shocker to me. Oh, I can imagine. Right. And, um, and so my last one is I was, there's a vacuum in our office and you know how some people get their vacuum, you know, some offices get vacuumed and some get taken the trash out and stuff. And so I was just carrying the vacuum from one office to the other. Like that's it. I borrowed it from another office and, you know, and so I'm walking down and this guy puts his arm on my shoulder his hand on my shoulder he's like I just wanted to let you know that you do a great job of keeping the offices clean and I really appreciate all your hard work and I'm like not me that's not me (laughs) you know I'm like I work here too that's my office I mean that's my cubicle and so you know so I don't have like a big you know oh my goodness this made me cry kind of moment but just like those little things that kind of add up over time and I've only been here not even two years it'll be two years this summer and so for me to like experience all of these things already like it just speaks volumes onto 
what kind of conversations do we need to have that this Absolutely. is not happening? You know, what kind of um, trainings are really getting to people that this is not okay, you know? And um, so, yeah, those are my stories. <laughs> so, so first, just let me say, like I've told everyone else, thanks, but let me, let me revalidate you. Not that you need that, um, but, but 100% you go. I don't know if people understand, not to discredit anybody's degree, uh, but to get right. an engineering degree, what kind of engineer? Oh, maybe we maybe we shouldn't say it, so we don't we don't expose too much about yeah. it. Yeah, not comfortable with it. But but getting any engineer degree, I'm telling you, you are smart, girl. So so don't even don't even let people put you down. And you seem like you have a a great uh, persona, great character yourself. You know, you've got great character. But imagine, uh, so you know how it felt like. I hate to be so blunt again, but shotgun blast to the face your first day, essentially. I'm, I'm, you know, not that you were strutting your stuff, but you're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to stake my claim here, right? And then somebody that just kind of puts you down a notch or two, and then it happens again. And I, I saw a couple other people's heads going up and down when you were telling your story. So another thing, never, never discredit your story, right? So that, that is you. That's what you've experienced. There's enough haters out there. Don't even worry about it. there. There's enough haters to try to discredit your story. Cause you never know how much, how powerful your story is going to be. And somebody could be listening. Maybe it's in the very same type of shoes you're in. Maybe not the same degree, maybe the same degree. Uh, and you know what? I, I got that same thing. I'm not the only one. Our, our chief of staff, General Goldfine talks about the onlys, right? And, and so, you know, and I won't tell his story and uh, you know, you could look it up. Our audience can go and look it up, but bottom line, the basic uh, of it was a, an African-American senior enlisted advisor to him had a box of band-aids and said, hey, we got a problem, sir, threw the band-aids, uh, and I paraphrase a lot, but threw the band-aid box on, on the table. Uh, the general's like, or he wasn't a general at the time, uh, but he says, well, put a band-aid on, the senior enlisted advisor, and he puts it on, and he's like, I was really, like he admitted this is his words, or, or somewhat of that, I don't want to put words in the general's mouth, but very close of saying, um, basically, he didn't see a problem. So then the senior enlisted advisor put the band-aid on, and he's like, you know, then it kind of, it just stood out to him, he's like, wow. So to your point, do you have to look a certain way to be an engineer? That's what it seems like you were getting, right? Is that's the type of feedback you were getting? You're like, all the work I've been through, and again, not to, not to give you, uh, you know, a big head, but I know you, you've been through a lot of stuff when you're working on your degree. I, I've got a degree that is not an engineer degree, and it was hard, right? So there's a lot of work that went into it. So I can imagine you saying, all this work I've been grinding for years, uh, you know, trying to, you know, do the things that I want to do. So again, I just want to encourage you, and then we have to speak up. Um, and, and you said it earlier about what kind of conversations do we need to have? And I think this is just such a small piece. Uh, you know, I love hearing your stories and us, to, and I hate it, and I love it at the same time, if that makes sense, right? I, I, I just, it turns my stomach that you've had to go through this, but also appreciate and love the courage that you're showing. And hopefully we can, if we can reach one person, right? That's what I say. Uh, if we reach one person that says, hey, or y'all reach one person that says, hey, you know what, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say something. Then I, I say mission accomplished. Now I, I have a, 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 a lot larger, I guess you could say a, a, a desire of, of being able to have multiple people stand up because they'll look around and they'll be like, well, Kim was successful. Brittany's been, everybody that's on that show, she's an engineer for crying out loud. Like she's successful. Uh, Cause you know, we all determine success on different things. And Hey, I, I, you know, people that do take out the trash, people that do the laundering services, people that, that do, you know, you know, the trash recycling trucks, those, those are successful people too. So it's really, it just turns my stomach when, when people think that they can pl place a, a, a position on someone based on their skin or their ethnicity, their sexual preference or religious preference. I want it to be where when an airman walked through the door, again, you're, you're an airman to me as well. When you walk through the door, it's based on your performance. My assessment of you is based on what, what you do for the team, how you bring yourself forward for the team. I, you know, I care, but I couldn't care less about your ethnicity, your sexual preference, your religious preference. That matters to you as a person. I want to love and get to know you as a person. But at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with your performance and what, how I talk to you, unless there's obviously some preferences on things you like and don't like. Um, but anyway, yeah, so when, until we can get our airman to walk through the door, that are judged only based only on their performance, then we still have an issue. And it's covered up by people that, like, that approached me and said, we, this is the second African-American chief master of the Air Force. I'm like, I'm glad you know your history, homie. That's cool, you know? And we won't go too far into depth about what I actually said to this individual. Um, and they're searching their soul right now and uh, figuring out uh, that it's, it's time for them to step away because we just can't afford to have leaders in our Air Force uh, anywhere in the workforce. But uh, as we said again about the Air Force, we can't afford that. Uh, if, you, if you're not an inclusive leader, 
then your ass ain't a leader at all. That's just, the, that's, that's the way it is. So if you're not inclusive, Air Force already set the diversity table for us. I mean, nobody can see it, but if you're looking around this screen right now, there's, there's multiple different types of us that are, that are sitting on this one virtual meeting right now. The Air Force already set the stage with diversity. Uh, and then it's our job as leaders to be inclusive of that diversity. So sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. This is y'all's time. Um, and uh, so thank you again uh, for sharing, ma'am. Uh, kick it over to you, uh, Lorenzo. Hello, everyone. Uh, pleasure, pleasure to uh, to meet you on here uh, as well, and those listening. Um, uh, my name is Zoe, and I've been serving in this wonderful Air Force uh, coming up in July on 18 years, and also in July I am uh, expected to sew on Chief Master Sergeant. So uh, two uh, pretty cool milestones uh, for me there in in my uh, in my journey. Uh, I grew up in the Deep South um as well and and those experiences kind of shaped uh my views in the air force and uh, some of my challenges and also some of my my strengths that enabled me to kind of uh, persevere i have a i have a series of kind of mini stories um if, if that's okay uh to to share with everyone uh and so the, and these just are kind of just some that uh, have you know kind of still sit on my memory when I when I talk to folks who who go who go through things. But one in particular, I was a uh, a young airman in a work center, and I happened to be matrixed over to a team uh, that resided in a certain work center from my primary work center. And so uh, it just happened to be that I was the third African American to be sent to that to that special team uh, in that particular work center. Um, it just, it just happened to be that way. Uh, there was no, uh, specific, you know, malice behind me being sent there. It was, you know, I happened to be the one that's, that's up to go, uh, to serve on that team. Well, some individuals in that work center, they kind of actually blasted out in a, uh, in a morning roll call, you know, what is this becoming the month? What is this? The monkey, what is, what are we turning into here? The monkey farm. And so, you know, it was silence there and, uh, and then, you know, you know, guys kind of chuckled a little bit, but the, you know, the hurting thing is that when it sunk in, it was like, did he say the monkey form? And I was like, okay, I'm the, I'm the third African-American. I know CRM and such and such was just here. And uh, what hurt the most is that the NCO just kind of sat there and didn't say anything. Um, and I, like I said, I was a young airman then, and I, I'll never forget that day of really, you know, those comments and that thought process of me as a monkey and my other teammates but even worse, no one's saying, hey, man, that's, that's not appropriate. You know, those are Americans or they're, even if they aren't Americans, they're human beings, um, they're airmen, they're teammates. Uh, they are, they're much better than that. So that one still haunts me. Um, another one, uh, you know, a few years later, uh, a, new, a new chief comes into the unit. I'm an NCO. And uh, so the chief looks around my office a little bit and uh, he's like, um, you've uh you've you've won too much he's like a, you know you're a fast burner i said you know hey sir you know i may for some i'm fast for some i'm slow you know i just have my career goals and my family supports them um he said you know you, you've won too much so uh so you're done i was like done he's like yeah you know i'm letting you know you're done so i was like okay well thank you sir you know what what do you kind of say to that um and so you know i took it as hey you know, sit on the bench for a while, you know, mm. sit on the bench. So I said, okay, you know, I'll sit on the bench. Um, and then I just happened to be talking to a few other uh, fast tracking African-American uh, airmen, NCOs and senior NCOs and similar conversations happened with them too. Um, so that was, the, that was the worst part. And they, and they happened in, in different, in different uh, ways, you know, one was caught after an award ceremony and uh he was say, hey you know you're done another one after promotion ceremony hey you're done um and so we were like wow and 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 at that time you know i explored um the inspector general's office and other places like that and it's like no one could really you know grip their uh you know get a get a grip on it um long story short that that chief was eventually removed from the air force and everything but that's still just imagine how many other people you know that had been done to throughout that chief that chief's you know long career how many people you know didn't rebound from that you know how many people just say hey i'm at 18 19 20 21 22 i'm gonna just bow out 
um, you know, from, from, uh, from that experience. And then, uh, you know, growing up in the deep South, um, I did experience, um, being African-American, I did experience a lot of other races that were, you know, that are and continue to be are, you know, continue to be, um, wonderful human beings. But then I also experienced some that were, you know, blatant, blatantly racist. Um, and coming into the Air Force, it was really surprising for me to see things such as, you know, women of other races uh, clutching their purses when I entered a room or when I entered a space. Um, you know, the BX walking, walking, you know, in front of them or by them in the BX, uh, you know, them, per them uh, clutching their purchases, uh, purses or, you know, hearing a car doors, uh, car doors lock. Um, you know, when I, when I walk by, when, when I walk near or getting in the elevator and seeing the shift over and then, and then seeing the, the purses once again, uh, you know, get, you know, get kind of clutched tighter. And, um, you know, after a while, those things start to add up and they start to wear down on who you are as a human being and as a person, especially kind of if you, if you have some pride in yourself and which we all should and, and who you are and, and especially the value that, you know, we add to society, those things start to add up. And, uh, you know, I found myself becoming the token angry black guy. Um, some people understood it and some people did it. Yeah. And, uh, and so once, once you, you grow up that way and then you come into your profession and you see those same things over and over and over again in different places too, and at different, um, different bases, um, you know, it, like I said, it, it starts to wear down on you. Um, but, you know, fortunately through, through counseling and, and other things like that, um, I, I've been able to kind of move past those experiences, but it's definitely, definitely shell shocking. Um, because you start to look for those things and then the more you look for them, it's like it actually, it starts happening more and more and more. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, even if some things aren't happening, you envision them happening, uh, as well with that. Um, so, you know, I'll be definitely uh, glad to share with, with those opportunity that I can, how I've kind of overcome, you know, a lot of those situations and, uh, and, and how my mind has kind of progressed from it in order to, you know, to be the husband that I need to be, the friend, the father, and also the airman that I need to be. Thanks, Zoe. Uh, again, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for having the courage uh, to do, to do that. And I know I've known you, um, for, for a little bit now and uh, already have a, had a great deal of respect for you, but respect you, everyone that's on here, just respect you even more now that I get to hear, not necessarily just your story, but just to hear how you present yourselves and, and what you're about. Uh, and it's about helping other airmen. So Zoe, uh, like I have with everybody else, I've been jotting down notes as, as we've been going through this and something you pointed out that I wrote down, human dignity and respect all together there, uh, because that's, that's where we have a problem. You know, you broke words, and I, I can't even bring myself to repeat those words, but of what was used to describe you as it describing you as, for lack of, for the way I took it as, as an animal, right? Now, I love animals, but we're human beings, right? So if, how are you going to declassify somebody from being a human being? So, you know, Cecilia, she shared a portion of that, if you will, of, of a, hey, this, this type of way, and the way I heard it, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but this type of ethnicity has this line of work. There's no way you're going to come on, on this installation and do something else. And so the things that y'all have been able to, to share with us, and I'm going to go back around the room and I'm giving you a, I guess, a, a time to reload your magazine, so to speak. I'm combat nature, but time to reload your magazines. Only share if you want to, as I, as I finish up with some of the points that I took away from Zoe there. Uh, it, if you're okay with sharing the pain point of what kind of conversation should we have? I think this does something uh, for those. And, and if, if you're okay with it, I won't put you on the spot right now. So you're not answering right now. Uh, as we, as we come off the show, if you're willing to be say, Hey, yes, you can use my name as someone that, uh, you know, what I associate with Brittany's story, I associate with Kimberly's story. Uh, and if there's a, a potential for someone to be able to reach out to you, uh, then I'll leave that up to you guys. But I know y'all have so much wisdom in this area because obviously y'all have all at, at different levels, experienced things at different levels, and you've been able to overcome. Uh, so you should have your magazines reloaded by now. Um, but, but I'll go around and again, no harm, no foul. If you're like, Hey, you know what? That brings up too much. Um, you know, then that's fine. I, I, I shared a video this morning, uh, doing 22 pushups. Uh, and I didn't expect that wave to hit me like it hit me because I've lost some really good friends. Um, so if you're afraid that that's going to bring up too much feelings, too many feelings for you, then just, Pass. You don't even have to come on the mic. Um, but if you're okay with it, because I, I do think it helps our, our audience and the ones we're trying to reach 
understand like, hey, when I looked at somebody that way, I didn't realize that made them feel that way. If I locked the door when somebody walked by, you know, I don't know why people would do that, but then I don't know how it makes someone feel. So going around the room, the room has been shuffled because I changed the viewpoint, but, but Brittany, you're, you're up first if you, if you want to share. You know, it doesn't have to be, be as long as you want to, a uh, couple of minutes of how when some of those things were being done, you don't have to re really necessarily discuss the act, but how it made you feel, because I think that's overlooked a lot of times. Um, well, for me, like what I've gone through, it's always, it makes me feel less than, I guess. It, it caused a lot of insecurities for me. Um, like to the point where, you know, you're, you said that I'm always so bubbly and stuff and, you know, and I, I do, I definitely try my best to keep um, a positive outlook in life. But even like with my job, like I've, I have to, where I work, and I won't say where I work because it's a stupid small career field. That's why I didn't say. <laughs> um, yes, ma'am. But like where I work, I deal with a lot of commanders. Like, so there have been times where I've approached a commander to brief him and tell him something. And he literally like looks me up and down like I have no business talking to him. And so I don't know if that's because I'm a woman. I don't know if it's because I'm black. I don't know if it's because I'm just insecure because of how, of what was put in me, you know, so there's all these different feelings and emotions that go with it. But I would say that the way that I was raised and the way that I was treated um, in school, in high school specifically, like I was very hateful. Like I was really like, I became very aggressive like even to the point in basic training, like I was fist fighting in basic training. And I remember like my TI kept saying, you can't hit people. And I was just, why not? Like, I just didn't understand why I couldn't fight because that's what all of like what my, the way that my mom treated me, the way that my peers were treating me, like it made me very angry. And I was um, very angry for a really long time. My first maybe five, six years in the military. Um, so that hurt because I wasn't dealing with it appropriately, it turned into anger and it just made, I allowed it to just, you know, turn me into something that I wasn't proud of. And so, but I guess like the biggest thing um, is I'm, and people would never know this, they always tell me I'm lying when I say this, but I am probably one of the most insecure people, person, people, whatever. Like I'm super insecure. I always like in my mind, I'm always second guessing myself. And you know, I'm that person who is trying harder than the next person. You know, I'm the one that's in the AFIs, you know, because I, I feel like I have something to prove and I don't like feeling that way. Um, because my faith tells me not to feel that way, but then like the reality is, is I have to put on this uniform every day and, you know, I just, I, I just, I feel insecure and I feel like I'm constantly striving to, to prove myself. And that is, it's a really crappy feeling, honestly. Thanks, Brittany. I appreciate you sharing. So it's uh, a takeaway from that fear, anxiety, uh, anger, and cannot fail. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, I, I think that probably fits a lot of people that feel like they've been discriminated against, but thank you for sharing. Cecilia, uh, do you mind sharing, uh, you know, kind of how, what those feelings are going to go through your mind uh, when, when you feel like there's someone that's discriminating against you, as you shared in the past? Yeah, I think kind of piggybacking off Brittany, I feel like, you know, whenever, if something is being evaluated or I come up and I have to present something, like, are they going to judge me based because I'm young, because I've only been here for like five minutes, you know, is it because I'm Hispanic? Is it because I'm a woman? And so like all those like little microaggressions that you have in the workplace all the time, you know, it makes you, it can impact how confident you are in whatever service or product that you have in your workplace. Um, I feel like since I haven't experienced as much or for a long time, you know, two years, of this um i still feel like i don't know maybe i'm green i still feel like we can change something i feel um like if someone were to tell me something i'm like no i don't work there 
Um, a lot of Hispanics, you know, might work in that profession, but I don't. I worked here, you know, I was a first generation college student. And so I take that opportunity as a learning opportunity for others. And so I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm like people are testing me, but I'm not at the point where I'm angry or I'm getting aggressive, you know, but I'm like, hey, if you think that, like, you know, let's sit down, let's talk about it. Like, why do you think that? Is it because of this? Is it because of that? So um, I think just really taking those moments and being an advocate because I'm very proud of who I am and where I come from and so I don't I mean it might, and it might be because you know I'm just starting you know um but yeah that's that's kind of how I feel thank you I appreciate it yeah we so I think it's fair to say that uh you know the Air Force has come a long way uh you know so don't 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 give up hope uh, because there's been a lot of people that came before us uh, that started laying the foundation. There's been some good people. There's some people that don't do it right. And there's some people that are have bad intentions, bad hearts. Um, but but don't give up hope because you're the ones on here right now. Are the ones with good hearts for sure. Uh, so don't mm -hmm. give up hope. Keep fighting. Um, so thanks for sharing again. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Kim, over to you. Ooh, this one, uh, especially after hearing what everyone had to say. Okay, bear with me because. I wrote a lot. What I'm going to say, and I'm going to use a few things to, to talk about it, how I felt. So that incident at the Pentagon, that was actually a victory for me because I said something. I have dealt with this before and I didn't say anything. So I have felt silence. One of the first times in, in language alert, one of the first times I've ever dealt with uh racism overt like that uh i'm an army brat so a little bit about i'm an army brat we lived all we mostly lived in all southern states and we were stationed in clarksville tennessee i was in middle school and i was in a school where they were having there was a there was a racial war in the school um the kids with the malcolm x shirts and the kids with the confederate flag shirts they always come into a clash and they finally said um no one can wear either shirt and i remember going to my locker and i and, and uh the way they had it the lockers I, I i will never be able to forget this the lockers are set uh where it was like a cafeteria right next to the locker so tables right next to the locker so i go to my locker and i remembered that there was a boy trying to get to a seat and one of the other boys said to me move you black bitch and i never forgot that i didn't have a voice i i shut my locker and i pretty much ran away i didn't want to deal with it i brought it up to my parents but then as i think about even in the military there were times where i didn't say anything um in in uh one, one of the times in my in my career uh this is air crew when i worked air crew I was asked, and actually this is by someone of a different, uh, we worked with different countries. So I'm just gonna say a different country. And when he saw me, he said, I hope you're not like the other one. And it did take me a while to figure out there, there weren't that many uh, African-American women. And so he was saying, I hope you're not like the other African-American woman because when he left, he told me, I'm so glad you weren't like that. And in front of me, they would say little things like, you know, talking about microaggressions or they say little things like, how do you want your coffee? I want my coffee Whoopi Goldberg black. Also another thing I can never forget. And I would never, I never said anything, neither to anyone else, but I never said anything. I just, you know, I just let it be be said. And um, you know, I, I think about I think about that. I think about um being deployed. And um I was with a captain and I was I was a staff sergeant. I was with the captain. And he pretty much required that I drove him everywhere. That wasn't my job, my job, I, you know, that's not my job, okay. But I, I was so quiet and afraid to say, this is not my job. This is, do not think that I'm less than you because of the color of my skin or because I'm a female or because I'm enlisted, uh, because I, I like said throughout my career, it's been a lot of officer enlisted. So because I'm enlisted, do not think that I'm less than you because I'm African-American, because I'm female. And then I always felt like if I said something, then I would be emotional. Or I've even had, I've had my own peers tell me when I brought up to them, this is the issue I'm having, or a misunderstanding of hair, especially when they change the hair regs. I was actually on, on it. So when they change the hair regs, um, I would rather someone tell me, I don't understand, than 
the point you have is invalid. Just tell me you don't understand. And then I can try to explain it to you than to tell me that the point is not valid. And when I would talk to a mentor who looked like me, female, she told me, she said, don't be the stereotype. And what she meant, as far as don't be the stereotype, don't be angry, don't be black, don't be angry, black, female, don't be feeling up. So then I spent so much time trying to be quiet and not being the angry black female that, like I said, by the time that person said Negro, it was a win for me to stand up and say, we don't say that anymore. And it took me a lot. So that's why I had, it took me a lot to even pick up my coffee cup and walk over and say, we don't say that anymore. And that's because previous to that, if he had said it, I would not have said anything. I would have just sat there. Who knows? I probably would have giggled to act to, to be like, well, well, if I giggle, it'll go away. Or if I laugh, it'll go away. Um, but I, I didn't want to be a stereotype. And I've dealt with microaggressions. I've, I normally it's something about my hair. Oh, you look just like Rudy Huxtable and some other crazy stuff. Or um, surely you must. And there's nothing wrong with admin. Surely you must push paper or do trash or do those kind. Of, no, that's that's not my job. That's not what I do. Um, and then and same thing even with colorism. Brittany, you brought you brought that up. Even with colorism, I do. I, I have been told that I sound white. I had been told that for years. And I had also been told that, especially when I call somewhere and then I show up, they're like, oh, you don't look like the person that talked to me on the phone. I'm like, I am the person that talked to you on the phone. And, and what does white sound like? I, I hope that I have a good use of the English language and it sounds just like this. I am me. Um, I've even said, this is what an airman looks like. An airman looks like all of us. There's not one way to say that that's what an airman looks like. Airman looks like. An American airman looks like all of us. And so what I would say is throughout all of this, because I've been writing notes all around, is that I have always, I've, I've tried to be the quiet professional. I've tried to be nice. I've tried to not be the stereotype, all those good things. And I've always tried to prove that I was the best silently and quietly. And so the feel, the feeling is silence. That's what I have felt like. And that's what I overcame. I hope that helps. I'm sorry if that was yeah. long. No, no, that was perfect. Uh, perfect. Uh, and so if you, if you bring that passion, which I'm sure you do, you bring that passion and, and speaking up now. Uh, yeah, that's, that is not silent at all. So you're an overcomer. So, so good on you for sure. Thanks for sharing. And, and, and you're absolutely right. There's so many people, like you said, uh, I don't think they would get that. Uh, when you said, yeah, I might even have giggled to make it go away. And there's a lot of other, uh, not to go down that, that, that trail, but of sexual assaults and sexual harassments, right? Um, so when you're the only, people don't understand because there are a lot of people that have an issue with saying, well, why don't you just speak up? Why don't you just say something? Probably because you've never been the only, right? So where I grew up playing basketball, um, I was the only. I never got discriminated against, but if somebody would have said something sideways, which sometimes they did, I didn't, it wasn't discrimination and they call me white boy or whatever, but oh, white boys can't jump. And so that wasn't, I didn't take that necessarily as discrimination because well, for one, I, I was white and two, I couldn't jump that much or that high. But, but so I would have never said, yo, that's wrong. You shouldn't say that. I was the only one, like, I wasn't going to say anything. I was gonna be like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. And just keep playing ball. Right. So thanks for bringing that up. And, and thanks for the voice that you do have. I appreciate it. So. You're going to take us out, buddy. All right, sir. Uh, I guess to the, the, the root of your, uh, you know, your, your task force here is to, to share the pain or share what it feels like. Um, you know, and I, I think we go through, or at least I've went through different phases of it. Um, at first it's kind of shock. Um, and then it's hurt. Um, you know, it's distrust in the system, especially when we see senior leaders doing it. It's like if, if this senior leader doing it, this officer is doing it, this NCO, <clears throat> the senior NCO, um, or this even, you know, we, we have our civil servants here that experience it just as well. You know, this civil servant who's been here 10, 15, 20, 25 years holding the base down um, or providing those key skill sets and the continuity for us if they if they believe this way like you know where can I go from here you know I'm essentially stifled and then I become the uh you know the the quiet um you know person in the you know quiet anger um you know like my teammate you know kind of just spoke of um 
so it, it, it progresses from hurt to, to anger, um, you know, and then we, we have the outbursts and then uh, performance declines. You know, we want to give very little effort. You know, we're not our best selves. Um, and then in my experience, relationships suffered as well um, because I might have gone over the top and, and assumed other things or, or I'm just a sucky person to be around because if you're going to go somewhere with me, then, you know, I fly off the handle at someone, um, you know, just not knowing how to handle those situations happening um, over and over and over again. And another area that, uh, you know, is near and dear, dear to my heart is is the shaving waiver, um, you know, I don't say conundrum, but the shaving waiver condition or or viewpoint, you know, that's out in, in the military with us and, and as African-Americans uh, as well, even though anyone can have the, you know, you know, pseudo Barbie, but, um, you know, particularly, more particularly as African-Americans, and there's a lot of, you know, blatant discrimination, you know, I'm a commander, I'm a command chief, I'm such and such, um, this image is not compatible. It's even though you have a, a valid medical condition prescribed by a doctor, you know, this is not compatible with my Air Force, even though your Air Force, you know, said, hey, we're, we're allowing this, um, along with shaving weight, along with, um, you know, uh, any you know any any other medical condition that folks get physical therapy for or they go and get treatments for um but that's that's been a major area uh for me and uh you know I find myself I used to when i when I went through it, I would actually shave with the razor and just go through my nestle crunch phase so guys in the in the shop would say things, and I would just go ahead and shave knowing I shouldn't I would come in with the nestle crunch bar for a week you know on, on my face and I'll say, you know look at this, this is what I'm going through. Um, oh man, please, what, you know, go back to what you're doing before. And I was like, I shouldn't have to go through that. So, you know, it, it, it starts from, from, you know, shock, hurt, and then it becomes anger. And then it starts to impact your psyche and that impacts relationships and performance uh, as well. Did that answer your question? Absolutely. So uh, I'm telling you, man, when you, so when you're a command chief, you're going to fix that attitude, right? Not your attitude, but other people's attitudes. <laughs> uh, you, you fix it all along the way. And I know you have been, but, uh, uh, brother, you're going places, I know for sure. So, uh, no, thanks for your leadership, every one of y'all, uh, the, the leadership and the courage that you displayed. Uh, you know, there's going to be some people that will associate terms, right? They're like, well, that's not racism or that's not racial slurs or, or whatever. And, and what I said uh, from the very beginning, uh, not, not only this, but since I've been, since I can remember, uh, you can call it whatever you want to, but I can guarantee you it's not professional and it's not treating people with human dignity and respect. Right. So you can put whatever term you want to on it. I got some the SMEs on. Uh, they're actually coming on tomorrow uh, to talk about terms and terminology. And, and I'm not saying that's not important. Don't misunderstand me. But you can call it whatever you want to call it. But how y'all just described how it made you feel as far from professionalism, as far from treating people how we need to be treating them. So so thanks so much for sharing. And, and Zoe, so something else you said, Zoe, and, and I promise you I'll shut up. Uh, but uh, you said, you know, about people that say my Air Force. And I know sometimes that's it comes out of our mouth, but it's our nation's Air Force. And we're stewards of our, our nation's sons and daughters. They send us uh, those uh, those human beings. They send us because uh, they're special. I got a son. He's delayed enlisted right now. Going to be a firefighter. And that government, whoever he goes to, to his first duty assignment, better take care of him. Uh, and if they don't, well, they'll get daddy. They won't get chief. They'll get daddy that shows up on their doorstep. So, so absolutely. Now, thanks for every, uh, all of you for sharing your story. Um, I'm going to uh, to request if you're available, we'll set a date and a time uh, that you are able to come back on. And if you can, and you're willing to, to share the other piece of the stories. And, and where I'm going with that is y'all are all overcomers. And uh, so I think there's, there's two pieces. There's a piece, well, there's more than that. But the way I see it is there's the piece of shining the light on it, uh, saying, hey, we still have more to do. We've done some stuff, but we have more to do as an Air Force. On the other side of that, that's speaking of the people that either one are discriminating or, and, and we don't have a place for them in our Air Force after we give them some education and they can't adjust fire, time to leave. There's some that are just ignorant. I'm not, I'm not being mean. I'm not talking bad about people, but they're just ignorant. Um, kind of like I just said, I was about the shaving stuff. I was ignorant to that. Uh, but then there's the piece of the airmen that are going through uh, the suck right now, right? And, and I just know that y'all will be able to help them. Uh, so I encourage you to consider that. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll do some networking and shooting messages back and forth uh, after we're done here. But bottom line, I want our audience to understand how much courage it took for y'all to come on. And I definitely appreciate it. So thank you so much uh, for being on Real Talk. 
uh, with Caleb. Uh, it, it means a lot to me, and, and hopefully, and I really do believe we're going to make some progress. For our audience out there, thanks for tuning in as always. Uh, go to the show notes. There's going to be a link in there. And the link, and there's multiple links, but the link I want you to focus on is going to be the link where you can provide words of encouragement or maybe questions. So if you're going through anything right now with, that you might feel is discrimination, uh, and if you feel, especially if you feel like it aligns to something one of these heroes just shared with you, uh, please give feedback in that link. Now, if you're a hater out there and, and you want to put something in there, guess what? It's not going to get to them anyway. So it's going to take you to a Google site. All you get to do is fill in that form. So please do that. Uh, we'll try to have the teammates, our warriors back on here uh, next week to maybe answer some of those questions and then give you the overcomer piece of the story. So as always, legends, leaders in the field, until next time, keep it real. Wow, legends. That's, I know I'm usually chipper when I come off of a show and say another show in the books, but uh, wow, if you weren't impacted by what we just heard, if you weren't touched, uh, your heart wasn't touched by what we just heard, uh, then, then maybe go see a doctor and get yourself a checkup because your heart's probably not beating. Those warriors that shared their stories, uh, I really want you to think about it. I really want you to analyze Please, uh, if you've got a question for one of them, if you're going through something, if you feel like you're being discriminated against right now, please say something. You have a military equal opportunity office and inspector general's office on your base uh, to go speak to. If, if nothing else, uh, you can contact me. Uh, you can contact uh, me and I will do everything I can to help you. So hopefully uh, for any of the naysayers out in the field that might think that the stories they just heard, um, you know, those types of things, they didn't, they don't happen or they didn't know they happened. I want you to listen to their voices. I want you to go back and listen to this podcast again, listen to their voices and really think about how those things that uh, were being said or being done uh, to them or in their presence, how it made them feel the pain, the anger they talked about. You really need to go back and listen to that again. Just because you haven't seen it, just because you haven't experienced it does not, I say again, does not mean that it's not happening. It is happening. We have come a long way in our Air Force, but we've got a lot longer way to go. We've got more progress uh, to be made. And uh, thankful for these, these heroes that spoke out today. They're going to be back on the show. They're going to come back next week. Uh, we'll be discussing how they overcame and what they did to overcome. So, while we do want to make a change in the Air Force where you don't get discriminated against and you're not based on uh, anything but your performance, uh, in the interim, there's still people that are being discriminated against. So you need to know uh, how these successful warriors were able to overcome that discrimination. So they're going to be back on the show. If you have a question, please go to the link that says feedback link. It's in the show notes. Feedback link. And then there's a link. You'll click on that. You can ask questions, provide feedback. Make sure it's to the betterment of these warriors that share their stories or that's going to help someone else or help yourself if you have a question about something specifically that they said and how it could help you overcome your situation. Otherwise, I just ask that you don't even go on there and, and submit anything, right? Because uh, it's not going to do any good. Also, I made mention of a story that General Goldfein, our chief of staff of the Air Force, had told a story about Band-Aids. And, and I don't know that that came over clearly enough for you. I have included the link in the show notes. Please go to that link and you can read the story. Uh, but but the bottom line was is General Goldfein, if you don't know him, if you don't, if you're not an airman, then you might not know him. He's he's Caucasian, the senior enlisted leader was African American, and it came down to the color of band-aid. So go out and read that story at that link. Again, thank you so much for for tuning in. Thank you so much for for listening and supporting this. Uh, and hopefully it really blessed you and, and it, it touched your heart in a way that you you inspired, that you are now inspired to go out and make a change. Legends, until next time, y'all know the deal. Keep it real.